0: But as we think about worship, a lot of times we think about music, and music is rightfully a part of music, a very integral part of of, of worship. But it's not the only part of worship. As we're about to do, as we're going to sit under, as Patrick Patrick preaches the Word, we're going to worship through the preaching of the Word. And then oftentimes also when part of our services, we we worship through through the ordinance of the church, through the Lord's Supper and through the baptism um, as we partake of those ordinances. We through the giving of tithes and offerings, uh, as we come either into the service or out of the service, as we as we drop our offerings and tithes in the in the giving box, those are all parts uh, of our corporate worship gathering together. But another integral part of our of our gathering uh, for worship is prayer, and I think a lot of times what we can be so kind of relegated to in our prayer times and something myself and the other elders have kind of been convicted of is we can use prayer as kind of a means to to transition from one thing to another it doesn't mean that those aren't sincere prayers but we're just kind of transitioning from one part of the service to another instead of just taking time to just pause and say Let, let's pray together as a church and so that's what we want to start building into our services uh, it's just a, a time where we're able to pray together as a church and there's going to be some differences in how this looks, but there's also going to be some continuity in how this looks and how we should be praying as Christians in our daily prayer lives as well. So what I'm us to have us do now is just to kind of bow our heads where, our, where we're at and to begin to just to pray quietly and privately for a moment, and then I'm going to lead us in a corporate time of prayer before Patrick comes up and, and preaches God's Word. Let's do that together. Oh Lord, we come before you today and we thank you for the time and the ability we have to gather and worship you. You being the creator of all things. And as creator, we recognize that you have creator rights over absolutely everything. You alone determine right and wrong and how we are as your creation are to live. And we recognize that... We failed to live up to your standards. We have sinned against you, O holy God. And as a result, we we know and we recognize we deserve your just judgment. But by your grace and your grace alone, you have made one way for sinners to be made right before you. Through the life, death, burial, and resurrection of your eternal Son, Jesus. We thank you for this good news that we call the gospel. And we pray that each of us continually, moment by moment and day by day, find our rest in the truths of this gospel. At the same time, we recognize that there are people in in various parts of the world, in many, many parts of the world, that have yet to hear the truth of the gospel. And today we specifically want to, to pray for the Malay Muslims. Muslims in Malaysia who, if they were to die today, would spend eternity receiving Your judgment. Lord, send, send more missionaries into the field. Let, let them be faithful to plant and to water and trust You to give the growth, Lord. Let, let them not be found to be discouraged. Lord, we ask for you to to make the soil good and make the fields white for harvest. Lord, we also ask that you be with the churches throughout our region who continue to labor in gospel efforts. And today, we specifically pray for Covenant Baptist Church as, as they gather, as they assemble, as they sit under the preached Word. Lord, we thank you for the work they are doing and pray that you will strengthen and encourage their pastor, Joel Rainey. Lord, Lord, give him the words to say today. Lord, let them have an ever-increasing gospel witness in this region and around the world. And as each of us think about people in our own lives, in our own spheres of influence, help us to be mindful of people all around us that we need to be sharing the gospel with. May, may we be faithful in sharing and trusting you to bring those we love as well as perfect strangers to saving faith in Christ. Lord, as we give of our tithes and offerings today, may, may, these, may these offerings go to advancing the, the mission that You have set before us of making disciples of all nations. So Lord, may we give out of a generous heart, a faithful heart, to the task that You have before us. And we can no doubt bring many physical needs before You today from those in our church family struggling with health-related and emotional issues, family struggles, and the list could go on. Lord, Lord, bring healing, bring comfort, and be glorified in each of these situations. Help us to be mindful that even our suffering in our times of great discouragement can be a means that You use to open the eyes of others to the truth of the Gospel. Help us to continue to have hope and joy in these times. And now as we prepare to open Your Word and to hear it preached, be with Your messenger Patrick today. Use him to exposit and to deliver Your Word to us this morning. Let Your name increase and His name decrease. And we ask all of this in in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: All right. Well, good morning, uh, church. My name is Patrick, as Jeremy mentioned, and uh, it is good to see everybody this morning. And uh, if you've been with us, we just completed a 33 week series in the book of Mark. And uh, what I want to do is just take a moment and and commend uh, Jeremy, uh, our senior pastor here, for for his courage to preach through that book, for his commitment to. uh, to faithfully preaching the Word of God. One of the things that, that we're committed to here at Harvest Point is gospel-centered uh, expositional preaching. And, and I know, big word, but but what, I'm, what it means is that, you know, we're going to preach through bi- books of the Bible and we're going to let the Word of God do the work of God. And it's just, it's so important uh, that Scripture is elevated in the preaching. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, you could go somewhere uh, and hear a 30-minute motivational speech where the, the Bibles may be referenced once or twice, but, but that is not what we need. We need God's Word. We need the Gospel. So uh, thank you, Jeremy. Thank you for your commitment to provide that for us each week. One of the things that I, that I really, and I mean I really appreciate, about Jeremy's preaching, besides what I just mentioned, and the fact that he sounds a little bit like Peyton Manning, is that when he hits an important, an important part of the message, like when he, there's an important point, he hits that one of those, huh, you know, and the, the praise hands come up and it's like, huh. I mean, there should be some amens that are following that. So, I mean, in the future, I'm expecting to hear a few more amens when the huh comes out, okay? At the very least, that's something you know you should be jotting down, Okay. But seriously, though, thank thank you uh, for your commitment, Jeremy. That's, uh, we really appreciate you. So, last week, uh, uh, Jeremy's final point of how the resurrection should affect us was that Christians are to put on love. And one of the ways that love shows itself in the life of the Christian is discussed in the second chapter of the book of Philippians. So, after 33 weeks, 33 glorious weeks, In the book of Mark. Please turn with me to the second chapter of the book of Philippians. And let's dive in together. We're going to start in verse 1. And it says, So if if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. As I read this passage in study for today, I I couldn't help but stop and notice verse 1. It's it's a a verse that I'm sure that I've read over in the past as I moved on to what I thought were the meatier parts of the text. But but it caught my attention this time, and and it's quite meaty itself. See, that's one of the things with Bible study that I continue to discover. When I slow down and meditate on what's right there in front of me, there's more meat than I ever realized. I just have to slow down. And look so in this particular case I ask myself why does Paul say what he says here the church in Philippi was seemingly a, a healthy church Paul does not rebuke the Philippian church sharply in this letter nor does he uh, bring up any problems in it so so why well think of Paul's words as being those of warning of precaution to those he loved he wanted to be sure that the readers of this letter were marked by these things because what he says next isn't going to be easy. Because you see in verse 2, Paul tells the Philippian church to complete his joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. And this leads us to, my, to the first point, which is Christians strive for unity. Easy, right? I mean, we live in a world that demonstrates unity, don't we? No? Okay, well, maybe not. Maybe not the world, but we live in the United States of America. I mean, surely we find unity there, sharing the same love, unified in our goals and actions. No? No, not so much? Okay, well, maybe not. Clearly here in Charlestown and Ransom we see unity. Not there either? All right. Uh, well, there's clearly uh, no disunity in the church, right? We we definitely find unity there, uh, s- you know, there can't be any division or hurt or disunity in the church, right? Wow, okay. Well, sadly, uh, we know that that isn't always the case either. You see, there's a reason Paul stresses what he does in verse 1 prior to even broaching the subject of unity or humility. If we're to have any hope for unity in the church, we need to be a people marked by what's stated in verse 1. The first being, encouragement in Christ church are you encouraged by Christ today when I say the name Jesus does that bring you does that bring you encouragement after hearing and hopefully reflecting on the last couple of weeks of messages in mark I don't know how one cannot be encouraged by what Christ has done ask yourself Does it warm your heart to know that Jesus paid the penalty for sin for you so that you could be restored into a right relationship with God? Are you encouraged to know that through faith in Christ, your sins have been forgiven, past, present, future sins forgiven? That you are now justified and made righteous? recognizing that you were once dead in your sin, lost and without hope, an enemy in the eyes of a holy and righteous God, and that if you have placed your faith in the one and only Son of God, that that's no longer the case. You've been made new. You have hope. You're loved by a good, good Father, as we just sang in worship. Are you encouraged by that today? Next, Paul asks if there's any comfort from love. As Christians, there should be a comfort that comes from knowing that we are loved by God. I mean, Jeremy mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but it would have been more than enough for God to have forgiven our sins through faith in Christ, freeing us from condemnation only, but he also adopts us and calls us his children. Amazing. I mean, are you comforted in knowing that today? That God so loved you that he sent his one and only son to die for you, so that in believing in him you're now given the right to be a child of God. The question that follows that is is if there's any participation or fellowship in the Spirit. Is the Holy Spirit at work in your life? We're not talking about something hyper-spiritual or charismatic here. We're talking about evidence of life change. So are we reading God's word and allowing the Holy Spirit to open our hearts and our minds to what God has to say to us there? Are we convicted by our sin? Are we living in community and fellowship with other believers, allowing others to speak into our lives and speaking into the lives of others? Not just a checklist of things, but desires of a changed life. And finally, Paul asks if there's any affection and sympathy In other words, do we even care? Do we truly love God and love people? Is it more than just a shirt that we're wearing? Do we share in each other's burdens, rejoice with those who rejoice, and mourn with those who mourn, or are we too busy loving ourselves? Paul was telling the Philippians these things because he recognized, again, that what he was going to ask next was going to be difficult. And I'll be honest, these these things are often difficult enough uh, in my life. Unity, even in the church, is not easy. And I love how Paul states this in verse 2. He says, "If, if you have these things, if this is you, if you really are a follower of Christ, then make my joy complete, complete by being of the same mind, sharing the same love, unified. Make my joy complete, he says. As an elder here at Harvest Point, I get this. Make my joy complete. I've seen times of disunity and struggle in the past, and I like where I believe we are now. I'm so thankful for what the Lord is doing in this body. And it brings us great joy as elders to see that. So how do we continue in this unity? How do we have the same mind and be of the same love? Well, we follow Paul's words to the Philippians in verse 3 and 4, which brings us to point number two. And that's that unity is achieved through humility. Paul writes in verse 3 and 4, to Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility... Count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. This, unfortunately, is exact the exact opposite of what the world around us teaches, right? I mean, we're consumed daily with an emphasis on self. I mean, the selfie has taken over. I mean, does anybody even take pictures of other people anymore? I mean... People are consumed with themselves. We, we even have these things called selfie sticks that allow you to get that perfect selfie distance so you can take that selfie while making duck face, you know, and just like that. I think that's how it works. I've never done that myself. but Selfish ambition is the American way, but, but here we have Paul telling the church in Philippi to do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourself. This is the key That guarantees the success of Christian community but how because this isn't something that just the world out there struggles with this is this is me struggling with this as well Paul says in humility count others more significant than yourselves say what more significant than myself others I mean who are these others there's nothing specific to the word others here. I've looked it up, I can promise you. It doesn't say others that look like you. It doesn't say others that are from where you're from. It doesn't say others that like the same things that you like. It just says others. It's all inclusive. So let's do a quick experiment. I want you to look around to those that are sitting near to you. Seriously, I want you to do it. I want you to look, look left... Look right. I want you to look behind you. I want you to look at their faces. Look at them. (laughs) Are you able to count these people as more significant than yourself? And if we're being honest, probably not. We know we should, but we don't. So what about when you leave this building and are spending time with family members or co-workers? What about uh, Uncle Bill or Bob from accounting? What about the stranger that you might run into on the street? That's even harder, isn't it? So in verse 3, Paul tells how we are to view people, really describing what it means to love our neighbor as ourself. But in verse 4, he takes it a step further and deals with how we relate to them. As, a Christian, as Christians, we can't have an all-about-me-and-mine attitude, okay? Yeah, we have a duty to care for our immediate families, but our area of concern should extend well beyond that. See, humbly submitting your life to Christ should lead to a life that looks out for the interests of others. A life that doesn't look to be served, but humbly serves others. And here are some examples of what humble service looks like. A humble servant serves others even when the circumstances are inconvenient. A humble servant serves even people that he or she dislikes. A humble servant serves even when he or she dislikes the work. A humble servant serves even when he or she receives no personal recognition. That's hard, right? But hopefully, hopefully you can begin to see how humility helps us to achieve unity. I mean, what would our church be like if we were all to heed Paul's words to the Philippians here? If all of us regarded each other with equal value and even more significant than ourselves, if we, if we all sought to look after the interests of others, I mean, we'd have people lining up to serve in kids' ministry. There'd be greeters out the wazoo out there. And this leads us to the last and most important point. And that is that Jesus provided the ultimate example of humility for us. Paul tells the church at Philippi to have this mind among themselves, yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Paul starts this section by saying that the Philippians need to have this mind amongst themselves, which is theirs in Christ Jesus. In other words, look to the example of Jesus, have this understanding of who Jesus is. Jesus is God. He has eternally existed. Just one book over, Paul would write to the Colossians in Colossians 1 verses 15 through 19 that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the, de- from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. The Apostle John in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made Paul's reminding the Philippians that this is who Jesus is though he was in the form of God in other words though he is God eternally existing with the Father all things created through him and for him he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped this is in complete contrast to Adam right as Adam sought to be like God by grasping Whereas Jesus humbled himself by letting go. You see, God did not have to save anyone, yet he does. And Jesus, being obedient to the Father's plan of redemption, humbles himself and enters into humanity, taking on the form of a servant. In being born in the likeness of men, Paul says that he emptied himself. And we can't get confused by what this means. See, Jesus in emptying himself himself, did not lay aside his deity here. He didn't put it on the shelf for later. Jesus was still fully God, yet at the same time fully man. Several Bible translations use the word humbled versus emptied. Jesus basically laid aside glory to take on human form and the restrictions that come with it. Jesus would get hungry. He would grow tired. He would thirst, yet he was still God. But in his humility, he didn't rely on his divine attributes like he could have. Paul continues in verse 8. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Having the Holy Week of Easter just behind us, many of us have been recently reminded of Christ's suffering and death on the cross. Paul, having just encouraged the church at Philippi to be unified and humble, to look to the interests of others, now reminds them of what Christ ultimately did to set this example for us. Jesus obediently humbled himself. God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us. Do you... Do you understand how significant this example of humble obedience is? God, who is holy, who hates sin, became what he hates for us. Jesus humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. And death by crucifixion was a form of punishment without equal in its pain and humiliation. Only the worst of criminals underwent crucifixion, and to hang on a cross would have been a sign to the Jews of that day that an individual was cursed by God. Yet Jesus humbly submitted to the Father's will, even to the point of death on that cross. What an example of humble service for us to follow. I mean, Jesus Christ looked not only to his interest, but humbly submitted to the Father's plan of redemption for you. God so loved you that he gave his one and only Son that whomever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Amazing. Earlier, I gave some examples of what humble service looks like. I can assure you that the work that Jesus came to do on your behalf was not convenient. He likely didn't take any joy from having his body beaten or his hands and feet nailed to a cross. And he certainly didn't receive any praise from man as his followers had deserted him and his accusers mocked him and spit on him. Yet Jesus demonstrated the ultimate example of humility. He remained silent. But in his silence, he was victorious. Victorious therefore verse 9 god has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that jesus christ is lord to the glory of god the father church as we were reminded just last week Christ's humble submission leading to his death on a cross was not the end of the story. If that were the case, we'd have no reason to be here. Jesus has risen and is highly exalted. And one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, all for the glory of God. The exaltation of Jesus Christ is as much a motivation for the Christian to live a life of submissive humility as was his incarnation. God will reward a life of humble submission to his will. Scripture tells us that he opposes the proud and gives grace to the what? To the humble. So I would ask you the same question as Paul asked the Philippians in verse 1 of this text today. Do you have any encouragement in Christ? Any comfort in his love? Any fellowship with the Spirit? Any affection and sympathy? Are you yourself humbly submitted to Jesus Christ? If so, let's let's bring honor and glory to God by living in unity. Being of the same mind, of the same love. Doing nothing out of selfish ambition, but humbly serving others unified in Christ. Now, if you can't answer yes to these questions, if you've never confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord, I would invite you to do that today. As Jeremy reminded us during last week's message, because of the resurrection, we know that there is a God, that Jesus is that God, and that God has made himself known through Jesus and the Bible, and that the truth of the risen Christ changes everything. Let that truth change you today. Let that truth guide you. Let it humble you today. Because God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and on, and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Well, We not, may not have uh, every tongue in here today, but I hope that every tongue that is in here can confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I hope that, that every tongue that is in here today can, can worship as we, we go to sing, Hallelujah, what a Savior. I Have the worship team go ahead and come up. So I hope that that's the case. And, and, and let's, let's worship this Jesus today. Let us go forth in humility, unified in Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, we, we thank you for your word. Lord, it's, it's at times difficult. It's at times challenging. But God, it's, it's what we need it is your word. It is to be received and and accepted and and adapted into our lives, Lord. And and how beautiful it is. Lord, we just we thank you for the the example that you've given us in Christ that he humbly submitted himself to your will, Lord even to the point of death on a cross. How, how amazing is that, Lord? Lord, help us to recognize that today. Let, us, let that change us. Let that help us to, to humbly serve others, Lord, not just to check off a box, Lord, because that our lives are changed. God, we just, we thank you. May you receive all the honor and glory today. Let us worship you now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.